Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cover to Cover podcast. So obviously, this is my first ever podcast and my first ever episode. So I just wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about what I want to achieve with this podcast and how I want the message of this podcast to get across. I believe that reading is a powerful tool and it helps us in developing our life in different aspects. So with this podcast, I want to dig deep into the variety of books that I read about self-development and talk about the impact that it has and can have on it, on anyone's life. And these books, they're not just focused on one area of self-development. They vary from different areas of self-development, such as financial dependency and the knowledge of being wealthy with a healthy mindset to physical and mental health as well. So that is why this is so important for me is to be able to convey that message and also keep sort of an audio journal for myself. So with that being said, I want to introduce our first episode and our first book called Backable by Sunil Gupta. So before we dig deep into the book, I just want to talk a little bit about the author and give a little background information on where this book and the message is coming from. So Sunil is a well-known entrepreneur and an investor. He's a co-founder and the CEO of Rise and a faculty member at Harvard. But at one point, he was the face of failure at New York Times and he was asked to speak as a keynote speaker at FailCon. And by the name, you can kind of guess what FailCon is. It is a convention of failures. And that convention is what brought him to write his best-selling book, Backable, the surprising truth about what makes people take a chance on you. Backable is a book that provides advice and insights on how to make yourself or oneself more appealing to potential investors, partners, or supporters. And this can also apply for something as making yourself more appealing in an interview, at a job, for a promotion, for a raise, or in a classroom to your professor, to your dean, or whoever may whoever, whoever it may be that you're coming in contact with that you want to be the best version of yourself. So the book is obviously based on the author's personal experience being an entrepreneur, an investor, and a mentor, and it aims to help people become more backable. What I mean by having the ability of become, becoming more backable is allowing someone to take a chance on you by possessing qualities that will make you outshine those who don't. So the book does a really good job at breaking down the exact qualities of what you need to be more backable. And it is a step-by-step process. And these steps are broken down chapter by chapter. The layout is phenomenal for this book. Um, It is so easy to understand and follow along. And he personally went out and interviewed people in this book. So you will see a lot of cases um, that he brings up to prove the points of each of the qualities that he's talking about. With that being said, we will take a dive into the first step, which is convince yourself. And the first step might seem pretty simple when you first listen to it, like convince yourself. It can't be that hard. But the more that you read into it, the the deeper the meaning gets of what does convince yourself actually mean. And the moment that you are able to fully convince yourself of what whatever your idea is, whatever your thoughts are, whatever your beliefs are, you are able to walk into any room whether that is an interview or whether that is a classroom or whether that is you pitching an idea to a company. When you have that on lockdown, nothing will make you more backable and persuasive that you will have a crowd of people following you. And that is something that is very important that I've learned from this book. So let's talk about the first step, convincing yourself and the subsections that follow underneath it. 
uh, I think these are very important parts about the book that each step has a subsection that kind of allows you to understand the bigger concept. In the first subsection, it's called schedule incubation time. The idea of this subsection is to make the reader understand that take your time, you know, take your time with anything that you're doing and schedule that incubation time, as Sunil calls it, and master the idea, the thought, and, and whatever that is that you are pitching. Take the time to fully grasp it, fully understand it, and then follow through with it. Pitching your idea prematurely can often lead to a lukewarm response that can dampen or de destroy enthusiasm. A quote that stuck with me was, it's not charisma that convinces people, it's conviction. And after a quick Google search, a conviction that I liked and it was short and simple about conviction was a firmly held belief. And that is exactly what the author is talking about right here is you have to be able to firmly believe in the idea that you're trying to pitch. You can't get others to buy in on an idea that you are not completely sold on yourself. And he talks about that. Remember that most ideas are not killed inside of a conference room. They're in fact killed in the hallways or a break room where they're shared prematurely before they're developed. So you have to be able to give your idea that incubation time to develop and that also develop your own skill set. An example that he gives is that there's a world renowned chef, Chef Honduras. Um, he shuts down his restaurant for three months and has his entire staff sit down and pitch ideas, pitch new recipes, pitch new meals, pitch new menus. And he shuts his restaurant down for three months and has that uses that time as his incubation time to renovate the entire recipes, renovate the entire menu. And then he opens the restaurant back up after those three months and shares a brand new quality of food to the entire world. And that is what makes him a world renowned chef is because he is able to take that and make that change, which is not sometimes you see very often in the world of restaurants. When have I ever seen a restaurant be shut down for three months? It's usually the other way around. They're trying to pump as much business as possible. So they're able to collect as much money as possible. But in his case, his, he's obviously a well-renowned chef and obviously his restaurant's doing really well. So obviously there's some sort of a connection right there. The second topic that I want to talk about is it's called steering into objections. Um, and what this talks about is you have to be able to address the problems before they are brought up to you. So if you think that your idea, if you think that there is something in your work that you're doing, that there may be a lack of something and, and this will be brought up later down the line, be able to approach it right away. You know, that will make you more attractable and backable than, than trying to push it down the line and hope either hope that it doesn't come up or, or hope that when it does come up, you can address it then. Staring into objection is a very important skill to have because when you're able to identify an issue in your work or your idea and able to approach it right away, it will bring you a lot more success later down the line and make you more attractive to investors. With that, the next session is called throwaway work. In this section, you learn that it is okay and you have to be able to accept the fact that it will be okay to have a lot of ideas in your work that will be thrown away. And that doesn't have to be physically, but something that you will not use. But again, that is part of the process and you have to be able to trust that process and knowing that every time 
just giving the effort and producing something, whether it is an idea or work, um, it is going to lead you into the right path. And if you keep giving it effort, it will bring you to the final destination of where you're trying to be. But at first, you're going to have to face a lot of difficulties and have that work that is thrown away, that is that is not usable. An example that the author uses in this is an author doesn't get inspired to write every single day. But you just simply sit down and start writing. And majority of the time when you start writing, things will be crumpled up and thrown into the trash can. But those things that don't get thrown away build up over time and produce a story and produce a novel and whatever it may be. And that was the case for this book. And that was the case for this podcast. And that's going to be the case for a lot of things moving down the line. It's a very important lesson. And I think that is something that you should have patience for. And a way that you make sure that you don't run out of patience is having this fourth lesson, which is measuring your emotional runaway. Sometimes just your intellectual interest is not enough. And what I mean by having the intellectual interest is having the interest of being successful and having the, uh, the interest of making money and, and moving forward. But sometimes that interest, as important as it is, it may not be enough and you need to have something that you are passionate about for you to keep going and make sure that you do have the patience when you do fail that you can keep going. And that's something that's really important because if you're not attached to something as emo emotionally, you're not going to want to continue after you fail. And that wraps up the step one, which was convincing yourself. And now we head into step two, cast a central character. And the last section is a perfect segue into this chapter, which is casting a central character, because there is an emotional part that is also connected to this chapter as well. We don't tend to emotionally connect ourselves to concepts and ideas, but more so we connect to people and stories. An example of that is an author named Tim Ferriss, who wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, which sold for millions of copies. And he wrote that for two of his specific friends who felt trapped in their 9-to-5 jobs. Even though he sold a million copies, his intention was to address his specific friends who did feel that way. And having them as his central character, he was able to produce something that sold for a million copies. The important lesson here is keep your central character in sight, not just cast them for a role and then forget about it. But you have to keep them in your mind and in your sight because once you lose sight of that character, you will unravel. Groupon and Uber are two very good examples of companies that base their service and base their product around a central character. But early on in their business, they face a lot of challenges because once they got their business up and running, they lost sight of their central character and they started to unravel. And even a better example of this is the author of this book, Sunil, he is the CEO and founder of this app called Rise, which connects you with nutritionists and diet specialists around the world that service you. And he was able to do this because he kept his father who suffered from diabetes and heart conditions due to eating habits as a central character. And he kept him, but with that, he also serviced millions and millions of people across the country and made Rise a very popular app. Now on to the third step, which is called find and earn secret. This is a very short and simple step. And when I say simple, it doesn't mean that it doesn't require any work, but it's simple to understand. Great ideas tend to stem from an earned secret, which means finding a hidden insight that you learn through firsthand experience. I'm going to use a video game as an example to kind of describe what an earned secret would be. Um, and that is something that I guess I can easily understand because 
I'm able to relate to something like a video game. But an uh, earned secret in a video game might be a hidden level or a collectible that can only be accessed by solving a complex puzzle or like defeating a final boss or something. So to put that into perspective of research and investigative work, an earned secret might be a piece of information that is only revealed through thorough analysis or investigation. So it is going to be something that's not readily available, but that is what makes you shine and make you feel more valuable over someone else. I hope you guys are able to take these steps. I know we're not completely finished with all of the steps yet, but I hope you guys are able to take these steps and sort of make it a lifestyle and brand it, um, brand it in your own mind, because yes, you can use these steps if something in your near future is approaching that you are seeking. But at the same time, if you make this a habit of yours, you will be able to do this naturally. It will never be a thought. It will just be what you do. And that is a lot more beneficial over time. Obviously it's not a, it's not something that's going to happen overnight or in a few, in a few days or a week or a month. This is a lifetime type of thing. So you will start seeing the results later down the line when you start taking the actions for it. And with that, we go into step four, which is called make it feel inevitable. This, I, this topic is sort of geared towards entrepreneurship and geared towards, um, presenting an idea uh so or, or to a business or something so this out of every step just to be clear like this is probably the most that is outside of dedicating it to your daily life this is something that you would do as an entrepreneur mainly but you but i'm sure that you can you can use this um also as a habit in your daily life and you know you will find success just in basic tasks so step four make it feel inevitable in this step, uh, what the author is emphasizing is it's the, it's the importance of the idea or a project that feels like it's going to happen no matter what. This means that the entrepreneur or you in this example should be able to convey a sense of inevitability and conviction in their idea that will make it clear it will succeed regardless of any obstacles or challenges that may arise. And an important way to do that is that you can achieve this by providing the evidence of traction, such as early customers, partnership or revenue, pretty much anything that's going right at the time, you can use that as a, a evidence to increase your chances of attracting the support and investment that you need to turn your idea into a reality. And step four is a great segue into step five, which is called flip outsiders to insiders. This is another step that I think you can incorporate into your daily life, but I think the focus is more around entrepreneurship. But with this step, the importance of it is to turn people who are skeptical or unfamiliar with the idea into supporters and believers. You can achieve this by creating a sense of community and belonging around your idea and by providing the opportunities for people to get involved and by sharing a vision and a story behind your idea. You can create a sense of a community and, and build a loyal customer base, forming partnerships and creating a sense of a shared purpose. Your goal here is to have people obviously support your idea of support and invest in you. And people are more likely to do that when they feel like they're a part of something that is just human nature. That is something that is very important to people. It's like, they want to feel like they're a part of something. They want to be on the insides, rather insides working up rather than the outsides, just looking in. So being able to create that atmosphere around you, around your idea, it is very important. And I know in the beginning of this, the step I said that this is very entrepreneurship based, but again, now, now you can look at, look at it as a fact that 
if you allow people to be on the inside of whatever that you are trying to achieve rather than just looking in, they will be able to provide, you know, insight and provide their back ability to you. And these last two steps, I feel like are the ones that get overlooked the most, but they are probably the most important ones. Um, And when I say they're probably the most important ones, that's not to characterize the previous ones as something that are not as important. I believe that they're all of these steps are just as important as the other one and should be followed. But when I say that these are the most important ones, I mean, these are the ones that you probably have done before and you are probably can apply these regularly, like on a day in day out and something that you probably see the most. So step six is called play exhibition matches. And I would like to take the time to describe or, or define what an exhibition match is. In this sense, exhibition matches are essentially test runs for your ideas or a project. And this could be something at work, keep in mind, like it doesn't have to be something that you are trying to pitch to, a, to an investor. They allow you to test your idea in a controlled environment and gather feedback. So in the book, the author is emphasizing the importance of these exhibition matches in the early stages of your project. So pretty much before the big presentation. He argues that by testing your ideas on a small scale, you are able to identify the potential issues and make necessary adjustments before you invest too much time and resources into the project. And that is very, very crucial. I do this for pretty much everything. Um, or I, I should say, I try to do this for pretty much everything, whether it is presenting a presentation to my customer at work, uh, whether it's my boss or whether it's um, a true customer that I'm, I'm, talking about my research to, and this could be something in the classroom as well. I know, I know people have definitely had presentations in a classroom setting where they have done practices for important, for um, an important presentation that had a big impact on your grade or, or whatever it may have been. So carry that into your life for everything that you do. Play these little exhibition matches and perfect your idea, perfect your project. So you can make those necessary adjustments, like he says. And I don't want this to seem like something like you just stand in front of a mirror and practice for 15 minutes off a script that you have written. I know that this is something that, or that is something that we have been told in our past to do to practice a presentation. And, and while they may, they may, there may be nothing wrong with that, this section is mainly talking about kind of indulging yourself into the practice of knowing what you have to present. It's not more of a reading a script in front of the mirror. It's more of being part of that script. So they are, they should be a great way to build the excitement and anticipation for your presentation or for the product or for your service. Um, And also not, that's just not for you. That's for anyone that you're presenting to give them a little sneak peek of what's to come and have them also be interested in your project. And that brings us to our last step, step seven, let go of your ego. Letting go of your ego is very important when it comes to your idea or project, because becoming too attached with an idea or project can lead you to not see potential flaws or issues within it. It is important that you should be able to open yourself up to feedback and constructive criticism and be willing to make the changes, even if it means that you have to deviate from your original plan. Bringing in different perspectives can allow you to see that there may be there may be alternate solutions to what you are trying to solve 
and increase the chances of the success in your project. And you have to keep reminding yourself that your idea or your project is not a reflection of your self-worth. It is okay to pivot or change the direction if there is a greater chance of success. Well, that's it for the first ever episode of the Cover to Cover podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys along for the journey. I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion of Backable by Sunil Gupta. I also want to thank you guys for tuning in and showing your support. I look forward to sharing more great book recommendations and discussions with you in the future. I also want to make this the best experience for everyone that is involved in this process. So I also want to hear from you guys. If you have any recommendations and ideas for the future episodes or any sort of feedback that will help me improve this podcast and make this a great experience overall. Thank you guys once again for listening and I hope to see you soon.